Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. And we're back, Chelsea fans. Another episode of the London is Blue podcast coming at you post-match. Another Sunday match, unfortunately, but... Thanks somehow to to scheduling, Dan and Nick, we're we're all here. We we made it thankfully. And Nick, yet another weekend flying in the sky for you. That's right. Uh, we we did delay recording so that I could uh, I could make it back. Spent the weekend in Seattle with Dan. Um, shenanigans ensued, and uh, it was quality. Seattle's a wonderful town. Shout out Dan to the uh, to the Shed in Seattle group who were who were great hosts for the match this morning. Yeah, they are quite a lovely bunch of individuals. And contrary to popular belief, Nick did not drink all the whiskey in Seattle. He left some for those who also would enjoy a little bit of a brown beverage. Boy, boy, did we try yesterday though. We we gave it the old college try. Just uh, Brandon, I don't know if you know this when you when you drink some bourbon and then you throw a couple liters of uh, German beer on top of it. Uh, your hangover, I'm going to call it, was terrible. Uh, terrible would be the word. Oh, well, that's what you get for not inviting me. So anyways, <laughs> uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about just how good Mason Mount was. And of course, hashtag Pulisic watch. And then we're going to move on to why Chelsea faltered today. And then we'll wrap up with a little bit of what's starting to go right for frankly in parts Chelsea tricked you. You definitely thought we were going to say what's going wrong. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, Dan, we owe some uh, audio love to some five-star reviews. Yeah, 
They just keep on coming. The Apple Podcast review train is, it's a bullet train now. It is just going 100 miles an hour. So we want to thank uh, Am on the Night Shift. We want to thank N Hosington. We want to thank JJ McAllister's UM Go Blue, Caleb S98M, Fis Mental X99, Tim Apple 69, Nikhil 5459, Rivera uh, 40, uh, Rivera X 42, G Gib 87. All left amazing, amazing five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We are beyond thankful. It helps people find the show, helps people get connected with the best Chelsea podcasts around, which is the three of us. So thank you for that. We really appreciate it. Keep on doing it. And you'll get the shout out at the beginning of the next episode. I love that Tim Apple left uh, a review. That's great to hear that he's uh, listening to the show. Really appreciate that. Um, South Africa, of all places. (laughs) Yeah, he's got that uh, VPN. Don't worry, Nick. Uh, Anyways, two more Patreons. They have just been flooding in this month. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Michael. I believe you were both already in the Discord server. And uh, Dan, per usual, has given you the warm welcome uh lastly before we get into the match review nick it would be rude of us not to share the discounts that we have uh for all of our listeners sure before i get into the discounts though uh dan uh posted a wonderful update on london is blue podcast stickers coming to a a patreon member near you Dan, will you please tell the people what they might expect? Yeah, you know, we ordered a bunch of logo stickers, and it's a, it's a pretty big box. Nick saw it, and yeah, they're great. They affix the things quite well, and we just decided as a way to give back and say thank you. Anyone that's currently a $3 Patreon per month or greater, we're going to send you out a, a sticker in the next couple weeks. And we decided, actually, if you you know join us on Patreon, $3 or more a month, this week, by the end of this week, and the next match goes off, kicks off, we will send you a sticker as well. Awesome. So just to sum it, some in summary for that one, you could get a sticker before me if you join up this week. So <laughs> well, I mean, of course they're going to get it before you because we're <laughs> never going to give them to you. Um, It'll probably I, be in London. I have some. I have a whole package. Exactly. Yeah. It's called, uh, it's called being a friend. Ever heard of it? Um, all right. Moving on. 10% off World Soccer Shop code London Pod. Uh, I know a bunch of you have already used the code this uh, this month for your Pulisic kit, um, so that is good. Talisman caps ten percent off, thirty five dollars or more with the code London Blue ten. Uh, so you need to you need to put the ten at the end. We've had a couple of questions about that. Um, that's what we are wearing on the old YouTube channel. If you're watching it there, uh, Dan has a nice little CFC. Brandon is throwing up his hat, even though he's not wearing it because his hair is too nice. And uh, and I am wearing the Drogba legend cap, uh, so that was cool. Uh, and then we have a, a couple of specials coming out soon with classic football shirts, so you got to stay tuned to that. But uh, certainly within the next week or two, we'll have an announcement there. So lots of goodies coming your way, courtesy of your friends at the London is Blue podcast. Awesome. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, we just want to try to give back as much as we can to our listeners right at the beginning of the episode. Uh, but we don't need to waste any more time. Uh, here it is, match review. It was Leicester City in the Premier League, and it was the home opener at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea won, Leicester City won, unfortunately, maybe a couple points dropped. So the overarching theme of this episode is going to be how Chelsea ran out of steam. So 
as we look into this. The first place we always start, Dan, has to be the lineup. This was Frank's first lineup at home, and I've I'm a bit confused personally. I've you know Yannick and someone else said it's a four three three. Other people, all the apps, all the statistical websites saying it's a four two three one. I don't know. Does it even matter? Well, it doesn't matter because there are 11 players on the pitch. And it was Kepa, Azpilicueta, Christensen, Zuma, Emerson, Conte, Jorginho, Pedro, Mount, Pulisic getting the start. Very excited. And Olivier Giroud as our 11 on the pitch. Frank Lampard's first 11 as Chelsea manager at Stamford Bridge. Bench included Marcus Alonso, Ross Barkley, Tammy Abraham, Willian, Willie Caballero, Mateo Kovacic, and Fakayo Tomori. And we saw Abraham, Willian, and Kovacic all make appearances in this match. Well, if we run down the stats, it uh, if you would have taken a snapshot of the first 20 minutes, then at halftime, and then at about 70, 75 minutes, and then the end of the match, it would have been very different pictures throughout this match. But as it ended... Chelsea were even on possession with Leicester at 50%. Chelsea edging the total shots with 14 over 12, 5 on target versus Leicester's 3. 15 tackles there, 17. 3 offsides, 3 offsides. Of course, we got the lone yellow card from rookie referee. It was overall, at the end of the day, extremely even. Even so much as that the expected goals was 1.3 for Chelsea to 1.1 for Leicester City. So again... Uh, it was very much a tale of two halves, which I think we can get into in a little bit. But in whole, it was very, very much uh, even across the board. So uh, as we mentioned earlier, Nick, we do want to touch on Mason Mount. It, I mean, why wouldn't we? Um, it would be easy to be disappointed and downtrodden after letting Lester have a share of the points today. But here are two words that should make you at least a little happier. Mason Mount. Let's talk about some of the stats surrounding our goal scorers performance today. So the first one coming from at Opta Joe saying 1996. Mason Mount is the first English player to score for Chelsea under an English manager since Dennis Wise under Glenn Hoddle against Blackburn in May of 1996. Uh, that was a while ago, Nick, probably before any of us were watching. Yep. I mean, that was, uh, it was quite a while ago. And, uh, you know, I think it's really funny that you know it's it's just him you know because i think he's with frank last year he's kind of seen as this like reincarnation of of what frank can do from a goal scoring perspective from midfield and uh and he's the guy who now gets to kind of carry the torch a little bit not only that uh mason mount produced three shots on target against leicester city today uh that was more than all the other chelsea players combined so they only combined for two he had three himself. Um, his second shot on target was his first ever Premier League goal. Not a bad day for the 19-year-old. Yeah, he was definitely 19. in fine, fine form. 19. Like, what? I mean, what were you doing at 19? Uh, like, well, <laughs> not that. That's all I'm going to wow. say. Uh, how about this, Dan? Uh, he had 62 touches. Five crosses, three shots on target, five shots, three tackles made, one goal scored. Uh, it seemed like a pretty big box-to-box performance from Mason today. Yeah, Mason definitely offered a lot going both ways. And I think he's someone who offers you the ability to track back, the ability to press, the ability to contribute in the defensive 
third, in addition to getting forward and just wreaking general havoc. I, I think, you know, there's been some thought and, you know, this maybe some over, over critically, over critical analysis of Mason just because he's Frank's player. He played from a Derby last season and people just can't enjoy anything nice, Nick. It basically is just, I think we need to appreciate what he is and how he's growing in front of us in terms of a player and what he was able to do today. Sure. Did he grow get out of steam at certain points? Yes. But this whole team played 120 minutes on Wednesday. Like, come on. In Turkey. So there's travel as well on top of that. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think he was, he was outstanding for the first half and then, we didn't have one player in the second half really stand up and, and be counted. Um, you know, and that it's not to say that, that, you know, we were completely out of it in the second half, but it wasn't pretty. I mean, he was really all over the place in the first half. And there, I think there was a thought and our, our friend, Mark Worrell tweeted this, um, that he was having a conversation, uh, at one of the various pubs, I'm sure about how, if we don't score, a goal or two in the first 20 minutes, it's going to be a long season. Um, you know, and, and Mason certainly did that today. He got his goal and the celebrations were outrageous. And his, you know, the look on his face was so great. And, and Frank, you know, right there with him, you know, kind of celebrating. And, you know, 25th minute rolls around and it kind of goes downhill from there. So, you know, he was, he was really, really good. I'd rate him, you know, a 7.5 out of 10. Um, and, you know, I think there's always room for young players to improve, not only with stamina, um, and, and keeping their shape and all that kind of stuff, but just, you know, to, to help bail the team out of tough moments too, um, which Lester certainly gave us all we can handle in the second half. Well, I think the good thing about having Mason on the pitch was how much the fans took to support him as well. Um, I think this is probably a good place to interject the atmosphere today. You know, we got a lot of reports. We saw it on TV. You know, we are the Shed Group going above and beyond with their TIFOs and their uh, banners and just really making it a special, special atmosphere. I mean, again, it's not only for Frank. I mean, it's for the players as well. This is the first time they get to see this team at Stanford Bridge live in front of them. I mean, it's it's a super special time. I'd love to get to go to an opening season match sometime at Stanford Bridge. I feel like that's uh, one of like the 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 bucket list things of a fan is you know you want to see Champions League. You want to potentially see a trophy lifted there. Opening day has got to be up there with them. I mean, you see you know Dan Silves and Chidge and J.K. and Marco and clayton everyone is tweeting about how they've been waiting for this and they are ready to take on nine months of suffering and agony if it must um, because of just how much they love it and so um the atmosphere was electric and the way chelsea started i mean we were all over lester suffocating them dan not letting them get out of their own half unless they were hoofing it uh and then for to finally you know after the first few minutes we had three four chances right and then Mason got it off a high press in the defensive third, picked in Didi's pocket, and right before he fell to the ground off balance, somehow pulled his shot back across him uh, and left Schmeichel completely rooted to the ground. It just everything, including you know this this the narrative behind Mason and and is he going to be the next academy player to is you know establish himself as a first team player since JT 
it all seemed to be going to script. It was the perfect way to start this match. Yeah, I mean, I just I am not coordinated enough to do anything falling to the ground other than place my hands in front of my face, and somehow this guy falling to the ground can just notch in a goal. So massive credit to Mason. I think the the things we need to keep in mind: he's only nineteen. Uh, point number two: he's only nineteen. Third point is he's only nineteen. He is. Very far, you know, if we kind of argue maybe that 26, 27 starts to be the prime for any player. So this guy is going to develop over the course of this season, hopefully several seasons as he's on a five-year contract extension. He definitely is able to give this side something that Ross Barkley doesn't and that he is a little bit tighter with his possession. So he doesn't give the ball away quite frequently. When it was passing in, the opposition half, he actually had a 91% pass accuracy in the opposition half, which you would argue you tend to have more players around you, more players on top of you. There's, you might be finding a little less space. And he was still capable of retaining possession, especially during that first half. I think him and the rest of the team did struggle in that second half. But those are the things that we can look forward to from him. Maybe if he gets back on corner duties, if when Williams on the pitch, which I know we'll get into, um, yeah, Nick, I, I just you can't say enough positive things about what he did in this match, how that really galvanized the home supporters, and how it really gave us a platform to think that this game was there to be had today. Real quick, yeah, I, mean, I have to correct us because we're probably a little confused. Uh, Mount is actually 20, but he's born in 99. And he wears 19. So that's probably where we're getting confused. But anyways, Nick, go on. I, I, I update my point to say he's only 20. He's only 20. <laughs> right. He's only 20. But before we get picked out in the crowd, I, I thought I'd go ahead and save us. What were you doing at 20? Um, there, I'll, I'll redo that. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think what, you know, first of all, I think he just has this like, you know, He's trying to rival N'Golo Conte for, for the smile of the year at Chelsea. Um, and I think he has this infectious uh, ability to galvanize people, like you said, Brandon. I, you know, everybody's behind him. Everybody. Um, you know, same with Ruben, same with Callum, maybe to a little bit of a lesser extent after the contract stuff. You know, it's like all of this... All these guys just have everybody pushing them on. Tammy today, you saw the the raucous reception when he came on. They want this to work. We all want this to work. We want, you know, we know that the experiment of using a lot of youth players will have its ups and downs because that's just football. But man, uh, you know, to watch those celebrations uh, and to watch him so passionate, so into it. Uh, was just phenomenal to see. It's a little bit of the, you know, a little bit. It's a lot of the heart that we've been missing the last couple of years. Uh, and, and you saw it a little bit last year when Ruben was finally kind of coming back and scoring goals. But, man, like, uh, it, he started the season relatively well, and I'm proud of him. I really am. So Lampard had some quotes on Mason after the match. Um, you know, he says, his performance, particularly in those opening patches, where he is so good off the ball. He works hard and closes people down, which helps him get his goal. He's also got great quality, and this is a dream for him. He will be disappointed now because I know what he is like, and he will have wanted to win the game. But you should take a lot from that moment, and there will be a lot more moments for him in a Chelsea shirt like that. Uh, you know, I think Lampard is is going to put... I think he's going to stick his neck out for Mason Mount a lot this season. I know it's only been a few matches, um, 
in that he didn't really feature in the Super Cup, but you know, just think how like we all voted Barkley preseason MVP, but Mount was right behind him the whole time, and it looks like Mount has gotten the nod uh, over Barkley at least early in the season, and so I think that Mount, you know, this maybe ties back to David Luiz, like Lampard is is betting on these young horses to come through and to you know really make their names and get established as first team players. And I tell you what, Mason Mount is absolutely rewarding him for that faith. You know, I, I was talking to someone else earlier. I think it was at, you know, the the pub at the Twin Cities Blues is that, you know, a lot of these young academy players have had even opportunities of one or two games where they just really haven't grabbed it and ran with it. Mason is not hesitating at all. I mean, he looks settled. He looks like he belongs there. And you think of his journey, right? He went from the, the youth team. He went to Vitessa bossed it there i mean he was scoring goals with his right foot his left foot i mean he was just head and shoulders above everyone there then he comes back and goes to darby on loan again like minus his injury looked head and shoulders above everyone there as well and he's come here and he looks like he's been playing this team for years and i think it's absolutely fantastic and then dan i think when you you pull in you know colin hudson doy returning if he ever signs that five-year contract that we've been hearing about, if, um, you know, when Ruben Loftus-Cheek comes back, now you have this really, really young core at at Frank's disposal. Um, it could be, because we don't know, like such an exciting time, like in Chelsea's, Chelsea's point in history right now. I mean, it is an exciting time. You watch the way the crowd responded today. You watched how this support, the supporting group of individuals at Stamford Bridge this weekend really just killed it. They did a phenomenal job from the we back Tammy to fight out against some of the racism and the racial abuse that he received from idiots on Twitter to the way that they responded and kind of got, you know, got behind the players in kind of the tough patches, you know, they, they, they're, they're doing exceptional work and, uh, you know, everybody was out for it. So I, I think it's very hard not to be excited. And even with the results so far being a, a loss, a loss of penalties and now a draw. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say too, like one of the, one of the massive storylines of this game or that, it, it, well, was that Frank was coming back home, right? So the We Are The Shed people did a great banner, and then there was another, you know, kind of welcome home Frank thing. The The crowd is into it. These guys have some leash. Um, you know, I think it, it's, when you're playing youth players, when you're playing, uh, you know, guys, even like Zuma, who are coming back and, and don't have the same cohesiveness with this team, it is going to take a while and there has to be patience. It's not going to be an unlimited amount of patience. You know, I think the, there were some moans and groans at the pub today. There were some moans and groans at the bridge um, when, when we kind of lost our way a little bit, but they they are young and, you know, Mason right now is great. You know, he's going to make mistakes. Tammy's going to make mistakes. Ruben Callum, all these guys will make mistakes. It's hope in the hopes that they can take this experience in this particular weird season that we're about to have with, with the transfer ban and apply that forward to future seasons so that we're, we're better off. And, and I think we all kind of have to keep that perspective. Right. The, the attacking style in which Lampard's team came out of the gates with was amazing. It was absolutely Electric. brilliant. Oh, yeah, it was great. 
Um, I mean, I think a part of that, which we you know can touch on, Dan, is is the Christian Pulisic piece. We're super biased. We're not going to hide it. Uh, it's going to be ever present in our content this season. But look, Christian Pulisic made his his you know Premier League debut at Stamford Bridge today, and I think he's already won over most of the fans in terms of giving him a shot to prove himself. I think they've seen enough that they're like, hey, this kid could be great. Um, I you know being objective, I thought he had an okay day. Right, he didn't feel like he really made any mistakes. He just wasn't really able to make a big impact. But um, you know, with that being said, he's a big part of this attacking, uh, mobile, like multi-threat offense that Lampard is building, and it's great to see him. You know, get that run out. Uh, you know, he's meeting. Was who did he meet earlier today? Like, whatever NBA player was. You know, pitch side. Josh Hart. Yeah, Josh Hart. There you go. Right, and um, who was mistaken for Ruben, which is kind of funny, <laughs> outside the bridge. Uh, but look, Pulisic didn't have wasn't amazing today, but I don't think he hurt us. Which I think, to be fair, is is a good day out at this level. Well, no, I mean, I think you want a little more. I, I don't know if I would say that's. You know, there was an opportunity to win this game very early on and with a little bit more clinical nature in terms of our finishing, with a little bit more forward runs with some of our passes, better interchange play. Christian will be his hardest critic and he will work to improve. It's, you know, the way that he he has spoken about it. It's the way his father has spoken about him as a player. It's what we've seen from him as a U.S. soccer player as we watch for the men's team. But... Yeah, I don't think he'll be happy with the fact that he wasn't able to assist or contribute a goal in this match. And there should have been an opportunity to do so. What's really weird, Nick, is now we're so used to this very asymmetrical attacking thrust forward previously because everything worked through the left on hazard side. And basically we did nothing on the right. The right was basically all defensive work. And occasionally William and Aspilicueta would get something going. But for the most part of time, like we would just go directly to Hazard. And like, I think we're having to unlearn some of the fact that you don't just need to go down the left all the time because now you have Pedro or William and Pulisic kind of all kind of on the wings right now. And you, you don't have to go down just one side. It can be a little bit different than the way it has been previously. Yeah. I mean, we're not, the, the team is not playing through one side. I mean, it, you know, there's attacks kind of coming from every which way, which is, kind of what we thought would happen when Hazard left, right? I mean, when when your kind of sole focus point, and if you're in opposition defense, goes away, it can be, you know, a huge relief that you don't have to play against Ed and Hazard anymore. But on the flip side, it I think it becomes a little bit more unpredictable as to, you know, where uh, the interchange is going to come from. You, you've seen in both games that they've played together now that Pedro – and Pulisic will switch sides occasionally, um, kind of similar to the to the Mazakar days of old, um, where we'd have a lot of switching of Eden Hazard and uh, Juan Mata and Oscar and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think you know to to get back to Pulisic, he played okay. Um, I think most people understand that he is legitimately one of the fastest players in the Premier League. He's absolutely ridiculous um, when it comes to speed. But the final third quality wasn't quite there. Uh, I, I will give him a lot of credit for tracking back, um, a, you know, a lot. I mean, the four-two-three-one, if that's what it is, depends on wingers willing to track back and help win the ball upfield so that, um, you know, we, we keep the spacing between our, our midfield and defense, um, you know, to be a more acceptable level. But 
yeah, I think overall it just wasn't, you know, wasn't the star of the show. I think Mason really kind of took that on today. And, you know, our hope is for him that he's not putting so much pressure on himself, Brandon, that he's not able to kind of see the forest of the trees. Yep. I think, yeah, no, I think it'd be fine. I mean, he's so level-headed and he's got good people around him. Uh, he seems he seems to, you know, be a safe bet, you know, as far as like potential clubs to look at, you know, and I think he'll he'll definitely find it. It's again, it's early days. I'm not writing anyone off, and I'll back that up later in the podcast when we talk about the not so great parts of this. Um, but again, I mean, he he had a, a positive performance today, and we'll we'll kind of obviously keep a very close eye on him. But uh, we're gonna take a real quick break. Uh, we appreciate this sponsor uh, for supporting the podcast financially. And when we get back again, we'll be talking about why Chelsea faltered today. Uh, we provide some thoughts, uh, maybe a surprise appearance from uh, Nami Footy. Not sure if you've heard his name mentioned on this podcast before. <laughs> Um, and then maybe some some thoughts of, hey, what is working under Frank's reign? So a lot of positives to still come on this show. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick message. All right, so continuing on, right? Chelsea faltered today. We were up one nothing. We gave up a goal. I don't care what anyone says. We, we lost two points. That's just the way the match went. Um, that's math, so we've got Brandon. What? That, that's what they call math. Maths in the UK, actually. Ever heard of it? <laughs> so here are some ideas that we have, Dan. Uh, feel free to grab one of these and run with it. So basically the same starting 11 from the Super Cup match, a.k.a. fatigue. Um, that match lasted 120 minutes, a.k.a. fatigue. Not everyone is in Golo Kante f- fatigue. Oh, but we do have some <laughs> other reasons. But let's go ahead and settle on fatigue first. You know, I heard some terrible takes. One was a front-facing video um about how just everything was botched because if the players are fatigued this early in the season we're screwed it's this is essentially extended preseason i don't think really anyone is at full fitness and outside of liverpool who's had two patty cake games like chelsea have had the hardest run in in europe so far in the first three matches and there is understandably a toll and by the way i'm still super upset that that super cup even went to extra time that's bullshit it's glorified friendly super cup should go to penalties after 90 minutes after so. 45 and a half <laughs> after 45, <laughs> 45 and a half <laughs> well, we're, we're not going to relitigate that uh, that would just be as pointless about talking about var and handball so we will just move in a different direction but i, I do think the context is important because if you didn't pay if you don't remember that there was a Super Cup midweek, that the starting 11 outside of Tammy Abraham and for Giroud is essentially the exact same as it was on Wednesday with travel. Like, these players have basically been going, and this Monday I'm hoping everybody has gotten a day off to rest and recover appropriately because it is going to be a long season. And, you know, the, the fact that for that first 15, 20 minutes, they were pressing hard. What's starting to happen is that there's just not enough gas in that tank to go as long and as hard as they're trying to at the moment. You know, we saw that with Pochettino uh, two or three years ago. He would try that really, really aggressive press for 15, 20 minutes, just absolutely hounding an opposition team's players. And what would happen? They would get gassed. They weren't up to, to up to go that much and i think what we maybe didn't do appropriately in this match nick is say hey you know what the players are really really tired and we need to get way more compact with these lines because we're leaving all that space in the midfield again in front of our back four 
and they're going to exploit it. And what did Leicester do in the second half, Nick? They exploited it heavily. Yeah, I mean, to me, when we look at that first 20, 25 minutes, that was a gamble by Frank to say, my home, you know, my home return, uh, Pulisic's debut, Mason Mount, all this positive vibes from the Super Cup on Wednesday. We're going to go out and try and knock him out in the first round, right? Like that, you know, it's, it's one of those types of deals. And it failed, you know, the, that tactic failed, um, you know, because the result is a 1-1 draw and honestly could have been a hell of a lot worse in the second half. So um, I think it was emotional drainage as well as physical drainage that uh, kind of contributed to the to the performance. And I, I cannot say enough about N'Golo Conte every fucking week, but we're going to do it again because he played 120 minutes on Wednesday and then went out and was asked to play another 94 minutes. I mean, and, and he's not even fully fit. Like, I, I don't know what else to say about this guy other than, you know, Frank has looked at him and said, you're going to be a workhorse for me again, and you're going to be the guy. I mean, he's he is our best player uh, as it stands. So I, I think it was a little bit naive um, from a tactical standpoint to set the team up the same way. I can understand, Brandon, why Frank did it because – you know, you want to take the, you know, the connection and the team spirit from Wednesday and, and apply it forward in the first home match of the season and put on a show. But, I, you know, you, you started to look at, like, Pulisic looked gassed early. Uh, I looked at, like, Zuma and Christensen, who played relatively well, but I think we're, we're also, like, mentally fatigued um, because Liverpool and Leicester are way different styles for, you know, defensive pairing. Uh, there's just a lot that goes into that, and and you know not all of it's just minutes played. Well, exactly. Um, we'll probably get in a little bit of formation gate, you know, down the line because it seems like Lampard likes to switch it up a little bit. Now, you know, before we had sorry in, sorry out. Now we're gonna have four three three versus the four two three ones. Uh, you know, I see it happening, but uh, you know, I think fr- you know Frank wants this to be a very tactically flexible team. I think he's looking for uh, the team to be able to kind of shift and adapt to different situations. And so, um, you know, I maybe the 4-3-3 was the right call for Liverpool, and it just lined up perfectly. You know, maybe he thought the 4-2-3 would be a little bit more defensively. It turns out late in the match, it wasn't really it. Um, but it could go back to fatigue. Like, it, it doesn't really matter what formation you're in. If you don't have the legs to get back, like, uh, you know, transitioning from offense to defense, you're you're in trouble, and it's actually one of the most hard, difficult things to do in the in the game. So, as I'm reading up on tactics and and this stuff, actually for my day job, um, you know, the the game is broken down into you know attack with you know possession and attack, possession defense, and then it's all about transition from defense to attack and attack to defense. And when you have the ball, Chelsea were very sloppy in that transition when they had the ball, and then getting back on defense it just we were in bad situations and not saying this is an exact replica but um early on in Maurizio Sarri's career we would uh commit way too many people forward and then there'd be like Jorginho on four uh, going the other way there's are there's light signs of that um but I think that's also part of the the mentality that that Frank wants to play with his numbers forward, be on the front foot and be aggressive. So they'll figure that out and figure out what the shape is. 
Um, but yeah, fatigue was was a huge part of it. Some other I, I, ideas from well, Nami Footy before you get, tweeted up. Before you get to that, can we also maybe give a... I think there is some respect to be given to Leicester, particularly for Madison, who I think had a really, really strong game and was given second us a half. bit of a challenge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the second half when he grew into it, when he was finding a little bit of his feet there, he definitely, and really the, the Leicester attacking kind of individuals, Vardy was... You know, def, who's quiet, right? But he does like to score against the teams and what we call the, the big six. Um, but, you know, he was kept pretty quiet, but he was not making it easy either. So, I mean, there, there's a really strong attacking set of players in this Leicester team, and I think they they made life difficult for us too. They're not a pushover team anymore by any means. Okay, but some other ideas that we have out there are from Newman. So one tweet he said is, one thing that I've noticed in these two Premier League games is that Chelsea go all crazy in the first 15 minutes, and by crazy I mean aggressive press, closing down to speed and aggression, and then their fuel level drops as the game progresses, which, by the way, is so normal. Like, that is that happens. Um, Frank even mentioned this, Nick. He said, when we are in active rest mode, he goes, we just need to be better with the ball. Again, Chelsea got caught in possession way too many times in the second half. I think that's a lot of what has to do with it. Yeah, and one of those was N'Golo Conte giving the ball up on the halfway line, which you almost never see, right? Um, It's that kind of stuff. Pulisic got pickpocketed a couple of times. Um, you know, it's just they were careless with the ball, and especially in the second half, it was just, you know, it's just not the you know the mentally sharp performance that you need, even if you're physically tired. Uh, so that makes a huge difference. And of course, you're right; like you're not going to be able to just press like that for 90 minutes. It's impossible. Um, and most of these guys are running a 10k every match, regardless. And then to add you know, sprinting a full 10K with, with cutting and movement into that. It, like, it's just impossible to do that. So naturally you would fade, but mentally you got to stay sharp. All right. Well, the other idea Newman had was in the game against Liverpool, Chelsea did not press this way, and that's why they stayed in the game until the last minute as they had the energy to play. But when Chelsea pressed crazily, they looked lethargic in the later stage. Again, this just all makes sense, Dan. If you're... You, you, it, I don't know if it's Frank or maybe the players, but there's the learning curve of game management for this group, and they're going to have to figure out how do they – maybe they don't play as great as they did in the first 25 minutes, but they're able to do that to 80% and then maximize it much, much longer along the lines. Yeah, I think that's accurate and, and one of maybe the most correct things you've ever said on this podcast. So – Bravo. Make yes, it sound we, like a rarity. Oh, I mean, they're, they're not that frequent. But, uh, yeah, I, I think we we just have to get to a, a place of understanding of how how we press, how often we press. We're pressing players. We're not pressing passing lanes, which is a little bit different from what we saw from Sorry last year. The players would really try to kind of form the around the triangle, you know, that was kind of being formed with the, the lanes that you want to have, right? You want to be able to give yourself three places to kind of pass at any given time. And when we were under Risa Sari, we were trying to kind of just block the lane. We are going after the individual players right now, which is going to require a little bit more motoring. I mean, even, you know, Schmeichel was being closed down at times and in this match, you know, you know, 
Giroux was doing it too. I know that we we saw that. Nick, we we're like, what the hell is like Ali doing trying to get in the action as well? It's so like the the whole team was there and doing it. And I think part of it was the excitement that was in the the crowd. Part of it was the home opener. I think part of it was uh, maybe a little unfortunate level of game management because if we had taken just again twenty percent extra and spread that across into the you know the forty five you know forty six through. 60th minute, we'd probably be in better shape. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, Giroud, I thought, was all over the place. Um, And I was really... I was impressed by him. I mean, he should have had an assist in this game, too. I mean, that was the the Conte shot that was blocked late. But, I mean, again, between the pressing, between him, you know, I think getting the ball and passing, he was really solid. I think he just ran out of gas, too. I mean, it, it was just... Overall, that, that was a theme of our podcast, Brandon. They just ran out of gas, and it's understandable playing three hard matches in, in a week. Yeah. Again, no one else has had to do this outside Liverpool, and I think it's safe to say that Liverpool have had nowhere near the challenge that Chelsea have. You know, it's just objective, honestly, at this point. So, overall, it, it could be much worse. I mean, we're out of the relegation zone. What were, what else are we looking for after the second week? I mean, come on. We did it. Hey, hey, look, we are closer to City than we have been since the end of last season in terms <laughs> of points on the table. So we, things we just got to keep in perspective. Absolutely. You just got to hold on for dear life the rest of the season and entail City. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap with some positive things we can talk about. So I think... Uh, Dan, you were pretty excited about Emerson's performance today. Hell yeah. Um, maybe maybe this will even slow your roll on moving Aspie to left back. <laughs> you know, sometimes you say things and, you know, you hope that they're not recorded and able to be played back for you into Here we your are. Rolls. And that is the magic of doing a podcast and having someone vindictive enough to clip it probably and place it in here. Um yeah, no, he he's looked really sharp. I, I would say my my only concern with him has been that sometimes he's gone so far forward that he does not always get back as quickly, and that does leave our center backs just a touch, just a touch exposed. <laughs> but in general, I think he's shown some real character, some real fight, some really good tactical acumen, and you know when to try to move forward, when to play himself into the attack. I like to see him continue to improve how he's engaging with Pulisic and um, you know, whomever he's working with in the midfield because the, these these fullbacks have to get forward if Frank is going to really institute what he wants to do, Nick. But in general, I'm I'm more positive on Emerson than I was in the start of the season. And he's definitely looking like that player that Juventus wanted to buy to replace Alexandro. Yeah, I mean he's he's looked great. I I, I really. I'm impressed with the amount of minutes that he's played too. I mean, there was one point in the match where you and I were were looking at each other, and he, you know, because the the way the 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 ball was moving across the pitch, he actually went over to the to the right side and was playing further up the pitch than SP uh, to help you know kind of create something on offense because we were kind of down in the in the dumps a little bit. Uh, he was everywhere today. You know, you just kind of hope that you know, with his injury history that he's able to stay healthy. And that's kind of my only concern with him. Otherwise, I've been very impressed. I think he's an, a fantastic one-on-one defender. If an attacker has the ball and they're both flat-footed and someone's got to make a move, like, he's a corner. Like, he will just shut down, moves with you, is amazing in his athletic ability. Uh, but the other one we wanted to talk about, 
uh, how quickly these two players have gone from liability to reliable, and that is Christensen and Zuma. I think they have, well, I mean, me, I'll just speak for myself rather than maybe some other people. But, I mean, Nick, how quickly they've formed a bond, how quickly, you know, they've kind of figured each other out. And, and even, you know, Zuma's a confidence in playing the ball across the field today. He even at one point uh, had, a, had a short driven ball with his left foot and he put it right on a dime. And these guys have no reason to have any confidence. I mean, they did well against Liverpool, um, you know, one coming out earlier than the other. But it's just like they got absolutely torched against United. And they come out and look solid against Leicester seven days later. I think that it shows a lot to their character. Yeah, look, they weren't perfect today by any means. I mean, I, you know, I think what what you like about their performances uh, in in one week, you know, is they go from absolute zeros uh, against United to to heroes against Liverpool and then somewhere in between against Leicester. Um, I will agree that, that Zuma's passing, uh, the short passing, has still a lot to be desired, but he was pinging some Rudiger-esque crossfield balls today that, that were really impressive. And then I think conversely, I have been very impressed, Dan, with how quickly Christensen has... Uh, regained his ability to read the game and and sprint with Jamie Vardy. He was there, you know, two or three times where it was just kind of one on one, and he had to make a play, and he did. I, it's it's good to see growth week over week. Yeah, he looks like he finally downloaded the firmware update, and he's now back to operating with uh, with all of the processing power behind it. Yeah, he, he had <coughs> some really good slide tackles. Yep, absolutely. <sighs> Um, but yeah, he, he really is offering, I think the things that we were excited about when he was helping to unseat very senior players in our back line. I think the one thing we want to see from both of them is, um, you know, as we continue to attempt this idea of zonal marking on corners is more command in the box and an ability to really be assertive in the way that. You know, two tall individuals should be able to do so. I mean, you want your center backs to be to be rocks back there. I think that's one area of their combined game that I'd like to see improve. But we put Lester into the situations where they were getting offsides, which is because and and it is a credit to the fact that the line was actually holding appropriately and not falling off, um, which was something that we saw versus United and was extremely concerning. And so if we can have that stability, Brandon, where we're not allowing someone to be played on side because we failed, then we're, we're, we're getting where we need to be with the defense. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. Um, you know, I, I think when we did the, who should it be Rudiger and who, because we just assumed he'd come right back into it. I said, it was going to take time. And, uh, it's kind of interesting to see that Rudiger wasn't in the lineup today, even though he was, uh, Wednesday. So I wonder how much time it's going to take for him to come back. But it might not be just insert right away for Rudiger. It depends on how this how this partnership goes. Um, but again, that's just a, a really good thing. Well, and, um, and with the Super Cup lineup, you could have more players on the bench too, which is probably a part of it. Right. They had 12 on the bench, which is pretty crazy. Uh, so friend of the pod at Seb C underscore had uh, some more tweets. 
Uh, also talked about Maurizio Sarri, but you know he's just he's staying consistent, he's staying on brand. So uh, here's a couple. So he says, first one up, we're lacking ruthlessness because of the attackers are young. Mount Abraham Pulisic are making sure to get shots away, and that's already very good to do at 20 and 21 years old. But scoring needs to be more ruthless than that to smash it in the corners of the goal. But then he puts in all caps, give them time. He continues and talks about, in open play, we're showing more urgency to move the ball around than at any point under Mito Sarri. And there's three different consequences to that. One, moving away from Conte and Sarri's heavily circuit-based football forces players to think and create structures. It takes time. Number two, Chelsea have different types of turnovers than last season, where retaining it for the sake of it was defensive possession slash running the clock out until Ed Nazard scored. This isn't a piss take. Chelsea Conte, Chelsea's Conte and Sari had a plus five percent swing of possession share, yet the same underlying numbers. Uh, and then wrapping up, he says Chelsea lose the ball in different but not planned situations with few actual ball winners until the defensive line. William is still Chelsea's best attacker in terms of helping to retain it in the opposition's half. Was doing the job for Mourinho and Sari. Now we can push on William a little bit, Dan. Um, but I mean, it just comes back to ball retention. And if your legs are tired, your brain is tired, you don't do what you think, and it falls apart a little bit, um, it's good to hear that that uh, Seb sees some really strong positives from this team under Lampard versus the Antonio Conte and the Maurizio Sarri days of Chelsea. Yeah, I think that's correct. And what I would say is I think William got a lot of hate in dark corners of your favorite social media platforms for his first first minutes under Frank Lampard at Chelsea. Just think about that. First his minute. first touch was with his shoulder. Now, that's not his fault because you were trying to clear a corner, but that kind of sums it up for you. Well, here's the thing, right? He has not had a preseason. He's coming back off an injury, which somehow he, he should be the freshest legs but he also has to get back up to game speed Mm -hmm. i mean you think about the nfl you know it's it's weeks and months of preparation to get back to play at the speed and anyone tells you after coming back after an injury there's a level of time that you need to get back up to what it is to actually play at that level nick and so i think yes are we upset that william took the corner because it didn't beat the first man and we saw mason mount hit a corner ball that looks much much nicer than that Absolutely, but I think William got a a little over criticism. I think it's easy, but you, you could be critical of the performance and feel like he didn't maybe contribute in the right way, but maybe not overly criticize him for it. He just doesn't look fit to me at all. Um, and I, you know, Frank was one of those guys. If you think back to his playing career, you know, there there was always the fat Frank, you know, which was a complete trope that it didn't exist, but. You know, like Frank had to play himself into shape. So the more minutes he got, the better he was going to be. If he took, if he was subbed every other game, he he just wasn't as effective. My guess is that Williams the same type of guy, but it's you know from what we saw today, he just didn't look ready to play. He didn't look fit. He didn't look like his his attitude was right. And, you know, it just it was it was a poor it was a poor overall effort. Um, you know, and what we needed at that point in the game, so contextually was for him not to, or for him to really meaningfully contribute, to take shots on, to help set up players for, for shots. And, 
you just saw very little of that. And then the added bonus of the corner, I think, just threw everyone into a tizzy. So it, it was kind of a bummer to, to see that. But, you know, I also understand Seb's point about ball retention um, in the opposition half. I mean, much like in Hazard, it's it's not super easy to take the ball off of William. Um, you're all, you know, as a defender, you're always at risk of, of him, you know, kind of dribbling past you or, or crossing you up. Um, and so unlike Pulisic, who takes a little bit, you know, in my mind, Brandon, more chances with the ball in hopes of doing something special, William's a little bit more reserved, um, but I think harder to take the ball off of. Yeah. Look, I think William didn't cover himself in glory. Danny and I were talking about it at the pub. Uh, our biggest concern maybe complaint even borderline is when he lost the ball he just stood there he didn't go try to win it back and I think that's every fan's biggest frustration with players at times Um, but again it's the second match of the season overall it's his first minutes of the season so I'm not here to write him off Um, he's gonna have to do it a few more times to really upset me Uh, and look I could have a lot of egg on my face if he goes on to have a shocking season since he was my predicted player of the season Again, something we recorded and put out on the internet for people to remember. So uh, I'm not looking great for my predictions right now when it comes to people. I'm hoping my team predictions are much, much better. Um, But let's go ahead and start to wrap this one up. Dan, let us know who the people voted for the man of the match poll. And by the way, I got to shout it out. When you vote, please, you got to retweet it so we get more votes. I, you know, we have just under a thousand right now, and with our sample size, we need more than that to really know what the Chelsea faithful think. So, quick plug. Sorry, Dan, you're you're up. I, I tend to think once you have over twenty five responses, there's a high level of statistical relativity to the results. But I understand what you're saying. Anyway, Mason Mount, fifty three percent, is our winner, followed by Angola Conte at eighteen percent. Christensen at 16 and Emerson at 13%. I think Zuma was the other one I got a couple tweets or shout for. But yeah, I mean, when you only score one goal, and that's probably going to be the person who wins it. And I think Mount had a great game. So yes, approved. All right. Well, Nick, as the table stands, Liverpool are on top, Arsenal in second. And guess what? They play each other this weekend. So that'll be exciting. Uh, Man City, Brighton. Let's see, Tottenham, then Bournemouth, then Sheffield, then Everton, all on four points. And then Man United leads the three-point gang because they still have to play Monday before recording. Uh, And then we have Burnley, Norwich on three, Leicester City at two, and then Wolves, Palace, Chelsea, West Ham on one, and Villa, Newcastle, Southampton, and Watford on nothing you got to love hearing on BBC and and um, and uh, whatever, all this Sky Sports and all that stuff that uh, already looking at sacking the Watford manager because why not after two matches in the season? Might as well dump the, the Steve Bruce at Newcastle and whoever's in charge of Southampton these days. I'm not sure. House um, and Hootel. Th- there you go. I, good for you. Thanks, man. Uh, but the table is absolutely bonkers. At what week do you feel like is an appropriate time to give the table some stock? So much like the college football playoff, which does not really become a thing until mid-October. So like 
seven or eight, you know, seven or eight game weeks into the season for college football out of like 12. I think it's probably a similar scenario for, for the Premier League. You're not going to see a lot of separation until at least the first week of October. Um, and, you know, probably even a little bit beyond that. I think most people realize that City and Liverpool are the two, you know, best teams in the league. They're probably going to be the teams that start to run away with this thing. But, like, if you really think Chelsea's going to finish 15th, boy, do I have news for you. You know, it's like, you know, we're not going to be there in three weeks. So, um, it's all, this is all still, you know, like you said, Brandon, kind of, everyone's kind of getting ramped, uh, ramped up to speed. Everyone's, you know, kind of finding fitness and, uh, you know, while points certainly matter and it's great to be out of the relegation zone. Um, it absolutely means nothing at this point in the year. Yep. So wolves and United on Monday before we recorded. So we'll probably give an update in our second pot of the week, but Dan, I'll go ahead and let you wrap with one final point before we say goodbye. Yeah, you know, it sucks to have to talk about these type of things, but uh, friends at uh, the Chelsea Pride group uh, mentioned that they saw some homophobic abuse and idiot with the mouth. And a half behind me, the stewards, though, at Chelsea dealt by moving me quickly away uh, from him and dealing with it. Well done to the stewards for taking homophobia. homophobia seriously. All forms of discrimination need to be removed from football so just a, you know, a, a good end to the story that Chelsea acted on it so quickly, but just you know, on the back of the abuse that Tammy Abraham received this past week and then things like this, just you know, a constant reminder for us to be vigilant, be thoughtful, and help create a more inclusive you know, world, a more inclusive football, and a more inclusive Chelsea. All right. Well, listeners, again, a huge thank you to all of you, as always. You're fantastic. Uh, we will be back later this week with more episodes Um, But if you need more content that you might have missed, we have a ton of our summer episodes that you can go back and listen to in case you missed them. Uh, We have a lot of videos popping up on YouTube and things like that. Um, So yeah, check it out. And obviously, another plug for the Patreon if you're trying to get that sticker. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.